It's Jess. Welcome and welcome back to the Not Carrie Bradshaw podcast, where I discuss all things style, wellness, pop culture, and whatever else comes up from week to week. I'm so happy to be in a creative space to chat with you guys. As per usual, we have to kick off the episode with a fashion tip. So this is a gripe of mine. People are always trying to get me to critique people's fashion just randomly, like randomly. And people are like, oh, what's a trend that you hate and blah, 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 blah. I try to avoid discussing things that I don't like because I just think that fashion is very personal and what vibes with you might not vibe with me. So a lot of times I just like to say, "Mm, that's not my taste because I'm not going to lie. I say you a joke, but I won't say you a lie. Right. So I said that to say I was watching a TikTok where this woman was listing off all the fashion things that millennial women need to let go of. And like, first of all, for me, um, there's no diplomatic way for me to say this. I'm just going to say it. Don't ever approach me with um, statements or judgments about my fashion or anyone's fashion, for that matter, when yours is questionable. Um I think that if you're going to position yourself to be a critic, you need to not look so easily criticizable. And um, yeah, you know, like your taste is not mine. So you can fuck off with that. Like, so said that to say, I'm going to always encourage you to wear what you want unless you're paying me to make specific choices for you. Um. I just don't think there are any like quote unquote rules in fashion. Like even the thing about wearing white after Labor Day, who gonna check you? Like no one's gonna come and arrest you about that. At minimum, people might whisper. And like, what are those whispers gonna do? They're not gonna add or take away moments from your life or put money in your account. So if there's something that you've been like wanting to try and you've been holding back on trying that look, ask yourself what your like the reason why you're holding back on that. Is it because you're afraid of what people will think of you? Because I just want you to know that people are going to think things about you that probably aren't true regardless. So you might as well just like be wearing what you want to wear while they're doing it. You know, I just think that there's a fuck ton of ridiculous, awful things happening in the world. And if it's going to make you happy to wear a monochromatic highlighter yellow outfit in the middle of winter, I think you should do that because why not? Like life is just too short to be stressing over what other people think of your clothes. It's just wild. Like I take fashion very seriously because I take fashion very seriously. My taste is my taste. I like what I like. But I also think, so I think that it is like a a very serious um, study. I think it's a very serious reflection of culture and economy and patriarchy like there's a lot to be gleaned from the way we perform fashion but it's also just clothes so like have fun with it and don't think too much about it because I had to check myself about this like there is just to give you something there is a trend that um or there was a trend this summer where people were bringing back oversized jean shorts like from the soldier boy days right and it was gays and girls wearing just like really big, long 
denim shorts. Almost a gaucho, but it's a jort. It's a, a long, large denim short. This girl was wearing those with a crop top and an oversized blazer and some welly style boots, like hunter boots. It was one of the most confusing, upsetting looks that I have ever seen in my life. I, I didn't get it. It wasn't my taste. But here's what. She looked like she was having fun. Did she look crazy to me? Absolutely. But who am I? We'll never see each other again. And she looked like she was having fun. So be that girl in that ridiculous outfit with those large denim shorts if you want to. Just live a little. It's just clothes. It's just clothes. It's not that deep. It's just clothes. All right. Stay tuned. We have some pop culture things to get into. I have a little bit of a wellness check-in that I'm kind of nervous about, but I trust you guys to be a safe space for me. So stay tuned. Okay, guys, we are back. Um, First things first, my wellness check-in, since we haven't chatted in a bit, I um, am feeling gaslit by life in society. So I am 36 years old. I am single. I am single. I do not have children. Um, in general, I enjoy this part of my life. I have never looked or felt better. Um, however, as of late, I think I talked on a previous episode about... Um, being a, a cishet woman and this certain amount of grief that you experience as the people around you get partnered and or have children, you know that you're going to be a bit deprioritized in their life. And the most that you can do is prioritize yourself, find your own joy. But there is a little bit of disappointment that, um, you know, you make your community out of the people around you and as those people, um, as their lives progress in that regard, you can feel, or let me say, I have felt a bit left behind sometimes. It's not to say that I don't enjoy my life or anything like that, but sometimes I can feel a bit left behind, particularly when the things that I can control because I can't make a good partner out of thin air if I could I'd be doing something very different. Um, The things that I try to control, I feel like my effort isn't lining up with my results as far as my career, right? So I have been in this space of feeling very stagnant, like so many of the people who I love are kind of leaving me behind and not in a way of like, I want the life they have. I want my life. I just need to feel like there is some, some motion, some, you know, some, some progress. Right. And I try to, to achieve that through my content, through, um, my podcast, my YouTube, my writing, I am not experiencing the level of success with those things that I would like to experience. Um, The fact that I'm 36 and I have the desire to be a mother is also making me feel this additional pressure to be successful because I feel like even if I had a partner and I, you know, was capable of having a baby, like all things being held constant, 
would I even want to do that right now knowing that I haven't hit these career milestones? So I have been sitting with the fact that I am 36, I'm unpartnered, I cannot afford to freeze my eggs, I don't have someone to have a baby with right now, and I have not hit these certain milestones in my career that I would like to, and if I don't, what's going to happen, right? So it kind of feels like, um, yeah, there's a huge amount of uncertainty in my life right now. That makes me uncomfortable. And I know that that's normal. A lot of people are uncomfortable with uncertainty. And I am um, kind of sitting with what that means for me and reworking what my wheelhouse of joy looks like and still finding the motivation to create and to be consistent when, again, it doesn't feel like my effort is matching um, my results. And I would really like for it to because I need to feel that there is some forward motion in my life. And there are women who I know who are married and who also desire motherhood, but they are having some struggles with fertility. And so I recognize that even if I had those things, there's also there there will always be things that you can't control, but you can decide to not abandon yourself in these moments. So that's what I've been dealing with of kind of feeling gaslit by life that I'm older than I am or that I'm supposed to feel older than I am or that life is over for me in some kind of way. And I don't really feel that, but I do feel pressured to make things happen in my life that I don't really know that I have that much control over. So yeah, that's what I've been dealing with. And um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that because so many women that I know right now feel a strange amount of shame around fertility um, and, you know, whether you want to have kids and don't have the resources or the partner to do it or you have the resources and the partner, but the fertility is a struggle. For some reason, we feel ashamed um, and we feel ashamed about talking about that. And I'm hesitant to talk about it as a single woman because I feel like we get a really hard time. Like people want us to feel really bad about being single as if dating is easy. And we'll get to that a little bit later in the episode. But I just wanted to share with you guys where I am personally in hopes that Maybe it helps someone else because I don't want us to feel ashamed of things over which we have no control and to know that um, we have community and we have support and we have people who care for us and even a slow part of the journey or a part of the journey where maybe we're stagnant is still a part of it. These things are not linear and they don't always make immediate sense to us. So I'm just riding the wave and doing my best with what the fuck I got. So let's cruise right on along. I would be remiss if I, as an Atlanta native, didn't say something about the Keith Lee um, situation. I know it's been talked to death. So I just want to briefly say that um, I think that Keith Lee's work is very important, not just because he is an independent, not trained food critic. He's just a regular person who enjoys food. I think the work that he does is important in terms of helping small businesses to grow, um, helping them to get promotion and marketing that they may not otherwise be able to afford. 
that's really important. But I also think it's critical for people who are in positions of power to prioritize community over self. And I think that's what Keith Lee is doing. And I think that his visit to Atlanta, sorry, I'm a little nasally. His visit to Atlanta really highlighted something that I have been thinking about my hometown for quite some time. It's a part of the reason why I not only moved away, but stayed away for as long as I have, which is that um, Atlanta is not the city that we grew up in. Atlanta has lost a lot of its charm. A lot of things right now, um, because the film industry, um, the music industry, and, you know, it's becoming a little bit like Hollywood. So it gives the illusion of luxury, the illusion of wealth, the illusion of kindness, the illusion of hospitality without the substance. And I think Keith Lee's experience in Atlanta, having these restaurants only want to cater to him once it became clear his power, that is a microcosm of what has been going wrong on a personal and I think economic and just experiential um, level in the city of Atlanta. And I really hope I'm not hopeful, but I do still kind of hope that maybe these conversations bring to light that if you want to work in a service-based industry, especially one like hospitality, that is a calling. It's not like a money grab. And I want us to care more about how we treat people than the clout that we can get from how we make it seem like we treat people. So I love that. um, I hate that he didn't have a better experience there, but I love the conversations that were brought forth from um, his experience of not really getting the customer service that one would hope to get when you're spending your money in this economy. Like everything costs too much. That's the title of all of our memoirs right now. Everything costs too much. And people can't be out here spending money with you for a lamb chop lollipop and then being treated like shit. Like you don't want people's money because you don't feel like they're important enough. You only want to cater to a celebrity clientele. How do you think that's going to work out for you? So shouts out to Keith Lee. I hope he continues doing what he's doing. Again, I'm disappointed that the city didn't show him the kind of hospitality that I grew up with. And I hope that maybe that changes, but I want to caution us about criticizing people for not wanting to lean into celebrity and clout culture and actually just wanting to do the good and decent thing like more often than not so that's my two cents on that so if y'all are new here I am not like a music bitch like I enjoy music But I'm no longer a person who needs to go out and listen to the hottest, newest music as soon as it drops. I just kind of, yeah, I go with the flow. You know what I'm saying? I listen to what I listen to when I listen to it. Like right now, I'm really enjoying Janelle Monae's album, which has been out for like a hot minute. But it just dawned on me to listen to it. I was in the mood. I'm loving it. Um, Said that to say, apparently Plies put out a new song about choking um, people during sex, right? And... There were people who were really outraged by this, and some of them were um, women who were saying that, for one thing, there was a bit of kink shaming of saying, I'm sorry, but I think this comes from trauma. And then there was there were other women who were saying, like, why do y'all do this? This isn't okay, blah, 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 blah. And so at the same time, um, there was an article or a headline going around about... Um, 
Yvonne Orgy and her virginity. And she is, I think, 39. And um, she was saying that she, you know, is sexually frustrated. And this, I think these two things kind of overlap in that I don't think enough of us are sexually liberated. And I think that looks very different for different people. So I want to first say that choking during sex, like it's one thing to actually um, want to engage in um, breath play, which I believe is a part of like the BDSM area of um, kink. That is something that is very specific and that you have to take actual safety measures to practice with someone. And I don't think that people enough people communicate effectively about sexual desires to take pl- to, to take part in that. Um, we're still very uncomfortable having conversations about sex, even with our partners. I see all the time on Twitter women talking about things that they don't enjoy. And I'm like, well, are you communicating that to the person who you're doing it with? And it makes me think about like when I was younger and I cringe so much at how unempowered I was as a sexually active person, like pretending to enjoy things that I didn't, pretending not to enjoy things that I did because I was afraid of what the guy would think about me and just all of these different things. Um, And I think that it's important for us to get comfortable learning our own desires sexually, learning what feels good to us and exploring that, but doing it in a way that is safe and that is affirming and That's one part. The other part is whenever I hear women talk about celibacy, it makes me uncomfortable because I rarely hear it being talked about from a place of self. It seems like um, one Twitter user was saying that women who practice celibacy seem to want this gold at the end of a rainbow. It seems like it just comes from religious shame and this belief that if you deny this part of yourself, if you pray this um, this this desire away, that you will be rewarded with a better partner and a better partnership and that it will make you more desirable and that it will make you um, a better woman than other women. And I personally, <laughs> I have not studied theology, but I do read a lot about feminism and about patriarchy. And I really am of the belief that one of the reasons that premarital sex has been so demonized for women is because patriarchy does not want women to take ownership of our sexuality. If you have no sexual partner to compare your husband to, then you will always put your sexual pleasure in that man's hands and that man's hands only. And you have no other frame of reference to know whether or not that sex is good. And if you don't enjoy it, do you have the maturity or the ability to communicate that? I'm not saying that everybody should be out here just laying it low and spreading it wide if that's not what you really want to do. But if you have sexual desires... I don't understand why you think it's going to get you closer to God other than the way that you have been socialized by society and religion where I just don't think that God cares like that. I think God made us complete human beings 
And I don't think that we are supposed to shut down or deny human parts of ourselves. That's one of the most harmful parts of organized religion, in my opinion, is that it takes away your humanity. Any negative, quote unquote, negative or unpure or demonic, whatever kind of like feelings that you have are really just like human feelings. You're supposed to pray away depression. You're supposed to pray away anxiety. You're supposed to pray away sexual desire. And I just don't think that you can pray away your humanity. I think that God gave you a life and a body and a part of honoring that body in totality is acknowledging that you are a sexual being and not shutting that down for some kind of goal at gold at the end of the rainbow. I don't think that not having sex for almost 40 years means that you're going to be rewarded with a better partner. I just don't believe that. If you truly just don't, you might, even if you're asexual, that's one thing, obviously. But I I just don't understand what people hope to achieve with celibacy in terms of desirability or partnership. Like overwhelmingly, I don't care what anybody tells you, overwhelmingly, we see all the time how certain kinds of women <laughs> respond to men loving quote-unquote hoes. Everybody loves hoes. People just don't want to admit it, but everybody loves hoes, you know? And then I challenge you to define a hoe as anything other than just a woman who's had sex, okay? So that's one thing, but it's also just like, when you look around, like all kinds of people become partnered. People who are very sexually active and people who are not. So, I that video that was going on around like a couple months ago where this girl was saying like I have only had two partners in my whole life. I own my own house. I'm employed. I did da, 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 da and I look at these women who you know don't have anything da, 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 and they get wifed up and blah, blah blah. Well, that's because you've been told that if you deny your humanity, if you are a certain kind of woman, that you will get a certain kind of man. That's just not how that works. It's luck of the draw. So you might as well just do what you want to do with other consenting adults. And I just really want for us to move towards a place where we don't feel shame for being humans. That is just so wild to me. It's like, what do you hope to achieve? Who this for? When it comes to celibacy, that's my question. Because y'all know I try to approach things with curiosity over conviction. When it comes to celibacy, who this for? Is it for you? Are you healing from sexual trauma? Because that is valid. That makes sense. That tracks. Is it because you feel like sex has been a distraction for you? That's something to consider, something to work on. You maybe want to reevaluate the partners that you're choosing. That makes sense. But if it's coming down to desirability and thinking that it's going to make you a better candidate for long-term partnership or marriage, I don't know about that. I don't know about that, hun. Something to think about. Who who this for? Um, so rolling right along as we're talking about the way we shame women. So Real Housewives of Potomac premiered and I was tuned in, all right? It was so cringe. It was so cringe. Watching number one, watching those women tiptoe down Giselle's driveway. Baby, the wild would have took my shoes off. Because I I know that's a faux pas and I'm a heel wearer, okay? I would rather my feet bleed than take my shoes off in public, okay? 
However, tiptoeing down that hill, was it worth it? You gonna roll an ankle. You gonna bust your head to the white meat trying to be cute. Giselle's home is just so lacking in hospitality. Dress it up and make it real for me. Like, it just doesn't seem like you really want people there when it's so hard to get to, girl. Anyway, so Robin thought that she was showing up for a casual evening of light bites and champagne, you know, a little champagne, and them girls sat her down and had a, a Destiny's Child girl moment and were questioning her about, you know, the different headlines about her husband, Juan Dixon, and him cheating, and the stories that Juan told her, I know that when she recounted them to her friends she had to hear what it sounded like right so I can put on my empathy cap right and I can say that I feel for Robin as a woman who has never been with anyone else her first love is one I believe that relationship that first marriage traumatized her and I understand why she is stuck in kind of what looks like a trauma bond um dating is very scary and I can understand that after all this time, she probably does not want to either be alone or go through finding someone new. I really get that. I understand the fear. I understand the anxiety. I understand the, the link and the bond. I empathize with her because it looks like she has resigned herself to a life of misery and she cannot see that the source of that misery is this relationship. If Robin were an actual happy person, what could we say? Because all marriages look different. If you want that man to cheat in peace, then okay. But you're not at peace. You don't seem happy. So I think that's more so her friend's um, motivation to sit her down and talk to her because it's like, you don't actually seem happy. This seems to be kicking your ass. You're not the same person that you were. And we can look at the way that she has ripped other women on the cast apart about their marriages. I think that's why so many of the viewers, myself included, are kind of holding her to the fire of like, why was it okay for you to rip into other women and tell other women about their situations when you seem like a really unhappy person as a result of your relationship. Um, I have said before on this podcast that I do not like how we judge women for the behavior of their straight male partners. I think that that's especially evident right now as we're seeing that Kiki Palmer had to get a restraining order in sole custody of her child from her partner. And the way that there are women on the timeline on social media saying, I hate when people start a statement off of, see ladies, this is why, and it is usually about to be followed by some bullshit. This is why you don't date a man who makes less than you. They're going to be insecure. This is why I don't date men, period. It's just never worth it. This is why, da, da, da. That's all victim blaming. That is all victim blaming. And I really hate the way we treat people like shit for relationships not ending in happily ever after because we know as adults, as living, breathing adults in this world, in this economy, <laughs> that that's not a thing, that relationships are not perfect and that the pursuit of romantic love can be messy. There are some bumps along the way and we're all just doing the best that we can. 
I am by no means saying that all relationships involve domestic violence, but I do think that for some reason, when it comes out that a woman has been um, disrespected by her partner, cheated on by her partner, abused by her partner, either financially, physically, emotionally, verbally, whatever, there is so much onus put on women to vet these men better or why do we even bother? You need to divest. Some of us, really desire romantic love, romantic partnership. There is no substitute for it. You cannot love yourself out of desiring romantic partnership. And even saying that out loud, I feel like there are certain women, even feminists who will look at me like I am somehow weak or something. And like, I don't give a shit. I think that romantic love really does have a part in this life and in this world. And I've gone through the phase of trying to not want it, but I do. And I think it's really shitty that people will make you feel like you're doing something wrong when your partner turns out to not be great. I hate the whole thing of why do you attract men like that? And why do you da da da? Why is it always the onus is on the women? Why are we never talking to men about the way they perform in partnership? It can't always be you need to choose better. There is no accounting for being blindsided. I have seen people start out one way in a relationship and become a totally different person to their partner. I have seen it. It happens. And I just think that for those of us who do want that, the least we can expect from our community is a safe space and grace to just like figure things out. Now, what I will say is this as well. We also have to be fair to ourselves. There are some people in my life who I love dearly, but I do not talk to them about relationships because they either don't know how to hold space for me and they don't know how to hold space for themselves. Like I have friends that are in really tumultuous marriages. I think it really impacts the way they navigate the world. They're just not very like joyous or compassionate or empathetic. And I know that a huge part of that is because they are not happy at home. They have resigned themselves to that life. I have made my thoughts on it clear. And when you start co-creating your own misery and you decide that that's what you want to do, it's too hurtful for me as your friend to watch you be unhappy. So I have to have my own boundaries. But never, if you come to me and you say, hey, I need to talk, I need to vent, I'm having a hard time, I'm not going to turn you away. I'm going to be honest with you and you can make a choice about whether or not you want to share with me. But even with that, it's, okay, do you need to vent? Do you want advice? How can I support you right now, right? Like we don't need to drain each other in that support. So I will give you that. But um, I hate seeing the way Kiki Palmer is being victim blamed, but I can understand why Robin Dixon is being looked at as a very goofy bitch because of how cruel and unkind she's been to other people about their marriages. Meanwhile, this man has never really made it seem like he sees it for you. If you're happy, what can anyone say? If you were delusional and happy, what could we say? But you just don't seem to be a joyful person. Like you seem deeply unhappy and miserable and it is impacting the way you navigate the world with other people. You're not fun. Be more fun. We got to find joy and fun where we can. And like, you ain't it. 
this man is kind of saying, and it was Robin saying, my joy has been taken from me. Babes, you don't see the person who's taking it from you is the person that you're in your house with, love. It's not us, uh, you know, just mm, therapy. I want her to get rid of that life coach and I want her to go to an actual therapist. Um, again, I empathize with her, but sweetie, mm, mm, that was tough to watch tough to watch and I think there's a difference between like I said co-creating unhappiness and being an actual victim and I also before we leave this topic just want to say that for people who like to give the impression that they are drawing these really hard boundaries in their lives and constantly picking up on red flags and stuff like that I wonder Number one, are you really navigating dating like that? Like as soon as someone does something, you're like, nope, that's it blocked. If you're doing that, I'm curious if you're just doing that out of fear as opposed to you. Like, is that intuition speaking or is that trauma speaking? And that's just something to sit with. Because if you're if you're an avoidant person, then, yeah, it's really easy for you to cut people off. But. If you feel an emotional connection with somebody, it's not going to be that easy to cut that person off. And like, why do we make people feel bad for that? Uh, Anywho. So lastly, you know, we represent Megan Thee Stallion over here. This is a Megan Thee Stallion um, household. Um, Even my mama's house is a Megan Thee Stallion household. Like even my mama loves Megan Thee Stallion. I am really proud of her for... um, It makes me think about on the movie, The Five Heartbeats, when the group got into a fight and their business manager was like, we have to teach them to use everything they've got. They got into a fight on stage and so they just started like using it, you know, as part of their act. I think that Meg has truly gone through a very tumultuous time losing her inner support system, like losing her um, mother and her grandmother and not having very many friends around her who she can trust and going through depression and being publicly um, victim blamed and gaslit and all kinds of things. She's had a really rough go of it. I think that it's brilliant to utilize that to inform other people about what your struggles with have been, Um, to put it in your music, to have this very beautiful and intentional transformative visual to go along with it um the shedding of the skin and the transformation and talking about just openly talking about alcoholism and depression and the way that cheating you know adds to that depression um because that's the other side of romantic love when it goes bad it goes really bad and at least people the least we can do is just hold space for people anyway um I'm really proud of her I am really disgusted by people (laughs) questioning the validity of how depressed she is or was like what do you mean so for one thing people are like well why would she have such sexual visuals to go along with this song and something that I have come to realize as I have watched my own body transform is that the more empowered I have felt as a person the less shame I feel about my body now you can not feel shame about your body and also not want to show it to the world but that's just me personally um I was always a really I was always really private about my body and really shy about showing my body um at any weight um and I realized that that was some shame that I was harboring but 
I think that people have to understand that for women and especially black women, when our bodies are often so policed and so politicized, for some of us showing our body, especially when we've put in a lot of work to, um, I don't want to be fat phobic here, but you know, we put in work to tone, to lose weight, to heal, you know, all the things it's okay to want to show your body off. And a lot of times it's really not for anyone, but for yourself. So I just want to say that like maybe the, the sexual part of it is something that you assign to it because I was looking at her body like, wow, I'm so proud of her because I think that if I was going through the things that she was going through, I would just be emotionally eating in a dark room and I wouldn't come out looking like that. Um, so I don't think that having a serious conversation while also showing your body means that your conversation isn't really that serious. Sometimes people, there are some people who feel empowered by showing their body and some people who feel empowered by not. So like, that's just her vibe and that's fine. The other thing is depression does not have a face. Depression does not have an appearance. Before I moved away from Atlanta, um, there were times where, there, I mean, people who I'd known most of my life had no idea that I was suffering from crippling depression and having suicidal ideations. I didn't tell them until years later when I moved away and got in and, and got into therapy and really like did the work to identify why I felt that way and learned triggers and coping mechanisms and tools and things like that. And even now I still get bouts of depression. It's just an ongoing thing for me. But Nobody had any idea because I was still showing up and, you know, performing life like any and everybody else. And even now, even having been in therapy, as long as I have been in therapy, there are times where my therapist has to tell me that you're in a functional state of depression. And I'm like, oh, I completely didn't even know you can be functionally depressed. And I think that sometimes people may be depressed and not even know it because to say, well, she don't look depressed to me. What does depression look like? What does it look like to be suicidal? It's not always a visible visual sign. And one of the worst things about being depressed is being under the impression that you're the only person who's dealing with that. So I applaud her for speaking out and for showing that depression can look a lot of different ways. Being suicidal can look a lot of different ways. And if someone is being open and vulnerable and vocal about that, do not shut them down and start ripping apart the way they're performing their mental illness. Like what the actual shit? I just, oh, I get so overwhelmed sometimes by the lack of empathy in this world. And it just, that, now that is a trigger for me. <laughs> lack of empathy just oh, wears me out. So to end on a lighter note, I do want to give you guys a little bit of um, advice, something that I have been working on myself in terms of having different goals, especially as we're ending the year, we're going to be starting a new year and people are going to start with them fuck ass New Year's resolutions. I think that it is perfectly fine to have goals. One of the things that I'm doing with my goals is asking myself like the purpose of that goal. So I used to want to be a person who worked out every single day. And when I sat with why I had that as a goal, um, it was really quite shallow. And I was like, okay, well, why do I want to work out every day now, taking all things into account? And it's because I want to take care of myself. I want to honor myself. I want to have a happy, healthy, mobile body for as long as I can. Um, 
looking at the health history of my family, looking at the way older women in my family have these different ailments, I want to avoid that as much as I can. So I want to keep a body that's in motion. And I have decided that instead of my goal being that I'm going to do 30 minutes of cardio every single day, knowing damn well I ain't finna do that with this blonde hair and this haircut. That's just not possible that my goal can actually just be to get some kind of movement every day. Whether it's a five-minute yoga sequence in the morning before I go to work or a restorative yoga sequence at night when I get home or a Pilates course or a run on the weekends or I just get off at an earlier stop and go for a longer walk to and from work or home. Making sure that I am getting some kind of movement every day has really helped me to feel like I am meeting that goal for myself. So I want to encourage you to maybe like, Lower your expectations for yourself. Build up to, you know, if your ultimate goal is to be able to bench press a certain amount, start small. If your goal is to be able to, like, I really want to be able to run a full mile without stopping. That's a goal for me. I have to build up to that. I can't tell myself we're going to wake up every morning before dawn and go for a run. I will be able to do that maybe three days in a row. And I will abandon that goal like it was never spoken, right? So I have to build in smaller goals to get to the to the bigger one. And I think that when we start off with these lofty goals, they are very easy to abandon. So break your big goal down into smaller, more easily achievable ones and you can push yourself as you go. But don't start off with, I'm going to save 100K this year. Sweetheart, how? Let's start small. Just lower your expectations for yourself. Life is too hard. Life is too complicated. We are all doing our best. And our best is going to change every damn day. Be more gentle with yourself so that you can be more gentle with others and not be an asshole, right? Just lower those expectations for yourself and most people and just do your best. And so that is my parting note for this week's podcast. I am reviewing The Gilded Age and um, Rap Shit on my YouTube channel. So be sure to slide over there and check that out and take care of yourself as best as you can so that you can take care of your community. And we will talk soon. Bye.